This is Alan Appel, and you are listening to This Day in New Haven History on WNHH 103.5 FM and streaming live at newhavenindependent.org, community radio in the Elm City. Thank you for joining me in the time travel machine on this November 3rd, and I'm here with my regular co-pilot, Jason Bischoff-Wurzel from the New Haven Museum. Hi, Jason. Hi, Alan. So, Jason, what's the thing you have over your shoulder? And why did you, not really, you have a metaphorical something over your shoulder because you're bringing in sort of like um, the product from a, uh, a hopeful sale here in 1834. And that would be, and also it would be useful if I actually had a fireplace. And that's an axe. Well, who knew that New Haven had an axe factory whose business was apparently just making axes? Yeah. I you would know, imagine. It all happens here, <laughs> New Haven. Um, but we did not invent the axe, apparently. No, we did not invent the axe. <laughs> we can't take that credit. But we did make axes here. And uh, But this, this was a bad day for the axe factory yes, in 1834. It was still for sale. No one had purchased it. It sounds like a good deal. We'll get into it here. New Haven Axe Factory and land for sale. The building is of stone, 100 feet by 50, on a lot 130 feet front by 200 feet deep. That sounds like a decent little setup. The machinery consists of a first-rate steam engine of 20 horsepower, a first-rate trip hammer, a pair of large shears for cutting iron, no, I know, no, I know what I know what shears are, but now what's a, tri- a trip hammer? Is that something that um, is that a mechanical device that sort of like drops down to break stuff, like a guillotine, but a hammer instead? I don't know what a trip hammer is. Could very well be like a new pneuma- pneumatic hammer of the time because you have from to from powered from the steam power. Right, could very well be that. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, hence why you have your steam engine. One, iron cylinder bellows, an air graduator. Three, cast iron furnaces, anvils, etc., etc. Now, you, you often uh, talk about New Haven being a real tinker's town, uh, uh, a maker's town, especially yes. in the 19th century. And, and uh, always, when, when, I, when I read this kind of stuff, it always puts me in mind of that. Mm-hmm. But this this axe factory is willing to sell its apparently is willing to sell its equipment and the building and land uh, separately. Yes, they were they were willing to uh, have the building and land uh, maybe maybe had separately from the machinery, and the machinery maybe had in separate parcels. So basically, he wants to unload this thing, William Mosley here. No, oh, he's the agent. He's not the owner. Ah, yes, you're right. He's the agent. He's the so. one you contact. Also, twelve building lots. A 50 feet front by 150 feet deep, situated on Green, East, and Wallace Streets, near and adjoining the lot on which the factory stands. So this is this is the the new township. This is Worcester Square. Yes, this is the part of Worcester Square, effectively, uh, that was torn down for uh, Interstate 91. Right. This is the site of the 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 Franklin Street and the garment factory fires of the 1940s and 50s. Uh, Correct, more or less. Yes, yes, more or less. And uh, so at this point, obviously, they were all just open. It was 
for the most part open land with this axe factory located there mm. uh they went, went on to say these lots may all be had with the factory if wanted or maybe sold separately so yes in 1834 that was still more more open plot with this axe factory kind of just being the established piece over there that whole area and all of these lots would of course come to be filled in quite densely uh until the uh, mid 20th century when this area was leveled for uh, the highway. And so that's why we have our kind of open, I won't, I won't call it a uh, kind of wasteland, but it's open uh, flat parking lots and kind of empty area because uh, yeah, entire neighborhoods that sprung up on these lots uh, were leveled as part of the clearance for the interstate. Right. And, you know, this puts me in mind of, uh, uh, it, it's hard to, it puts me in mind of, 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 of what New Haven was like in 1834. I think it was, it, 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 it's a very dense city downtown. Yes. Um, up to the railroad track. There was no rail, was there even the, the canal? The canal was being developed, so and yeah, so you no wouldn't have railroad, railroad track. track. And this is again something where so you're you're on foot. You're, you're on, on foot, or you're by if you can afford a horse, you're using a horse and a cart. But right. so the city is very small. Yes, it's it's quite small. We're talking about thirty thousand people, forty thousand yeah. people, and it's all centered around downtown. It's centered around where we are here right. in Worcester Square. This whole new township area has was, it was yet to boom, being, but being developed here in this. Uh, but yes, all was, these empty lots around here was extending. So um, apparently, whoever was the owner of the Axe Factory and all of this land seemed to be either wanting to get out of the business or had found that this. Uh, this business wasn't quite doing it for them. Well, I, f I found a reason, this is a hypothetical, but I found a reason why the Axe Factory in New Haven might have gone uh, for sale because in a town not too far away, also in Connecticut, um, apparently was a very famous facility called the Collins Company Axe Factory in Collinsville, Connecticut. In mm -hmm. fact, the town of Collinsville uh, was built around the Collins Company Axe Factory. Um, and even though the town was tiny, 3,000 people, uh, as late as 2010, in the 19th century, it was world-renowned uh, manufacture of edge tools. Axes, machetes, picks and knives. Collins machetes were the brand choice in all of South America, if you can believe it. Huh. And Collins tools were used exclusively for the construction of the Trans-Siberian Railroad. Do you hear that, nutmeggers? There you go. Amazing. Axes and picks made their way from Collinsville across the country and that were used in the California Gold Rush. Admiral Perry carried Collins tools from Collinsville to the North Pole. So the poor little New Haven Axe Factory is not going to be competing with that. Right. So right, so that, perhaps the owner was getting while well, the getting was good and un right. un unloading his state of the art axe factory and all this land they had purchased with high hopes. I know. It's that's so that's that's what we're thinking here. Perhaps we'll find a a follow up to this in the future of 1834. Well, I'm not sure what the connection is, but in the Daily Herald, the second piece you've brought in is uh, about a tomb. 
Yes. Well, keeping in the mind that we had Thanksgiving, <laughs> or rather not Thanksgiving, that's coming up. Halloween. But Halloween this past week or earlier this week. Uh, we're looking at just still those sort of spooky specters. You know, the, the nights are getting longer. Uh, daylight savings time is coming up this weekend, uh, even though that didn't exist in 1834. But... Uh, the mines are looking towards the evening and the darkening and uh, someone happened to find a nameless tomb and they mentioned that there's a monument in the New Haven burial ground on which there is no inscription. Is it not worth inquiry, Mr. Editor? Why isn't it so? The following lines are appropriate to the subject. Yeah, so the question is, the, the, where was the burial ground in 1834? And... Um, well, you ponder that uh, answer for us, Jason. Uh, I am going to regale our listeners with this entire 94 stanza poem. We also know that Alan loves a good poem. I love a good poem, but I'm actually only, I'm only going to read the only going to read the first stanza. Uh, but it's a it, it um, no. So th- what I'm going to read, let me see, is is suggested by the letter writer. This does not appear on this nameless tomb. Right. It would have been silly if there was no name on the tomb and like a hundred line poem. Instead. Exactly. This is more inspiration. Yeah, this gives to, the, to inquire as to why this tomb is unnamed. Unknown to all is he who sleeps beneath this marble mound. No gloomy cypress o'er him weeps or throws its shade around. The walls of yonder village fair, their pale mementos bear, but oh, the eye may look in vain to trace his record there. You know, there was a whole tradition in, in early 19th century American literature of what they called obituary poetry. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of this stuff is actually not bad. But the question <laughs> is uh, whether this person uh, uh, in, a, in a nameless tomb was killed by an axe from uh, the New Haven Axe Factory. Um, that is a question, yes. The, the, but the real question <laughs> it, for New Haveners, one of the downtown is how... The Grove Street Cemetery was created in when, and that that actually precedes this moment, correct? Oh yes, by yes. quite a bit. Uh, about thirty some odd years. Um, really, let's see at this point. Seventeen nineties. Uh, yes, it was by the seventeen nineties that they were discussing it and they set it up. James Hillhouse. Yes, set up the idea of the Grove Street Cemetery and uh, to alleviate and regulate the burials that had been taking place on the green. And um, they had set up the Grove Street Cemetery, but it wasn't really until about 1812, thereabouts, where people were really conditioned to the fact that this was a regulated burial ground. So, so people were still, the, the story goes, and I've, and I've seen the documents where people were still... It was kind of like, well, why should I have to pay for this when I can just go bury so-and-so for free in the green? Well, and now, that, now the, that's the question I'm going to ask you. There were, uh, there, 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 there were burials on, on the green uh, until Grove Street was established that were illegal because everybody yeah. knew it was too crowded. Yes. And as a result of that, I have read about, speaking of Halloween 
past, uh, I've heard about midnight burials. Yes, exactly. we've heard of, we've heard of midnight dumping of mattresses in our beloved Fairhaven. This was midnight dumping of corpses. I guess they weren't dumped, but people gathered. They would gather. They would actually bury them, but bury people, people would hear the noise at night. They would they would maybe see a flicker out their window, but they would hear the the shovels. So is it possible? Burying their relatives. So maybe maybe this letter writer and and my guess is that is that people did that not 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 because they were just horrible people, but because they couldn't afford something else. Right. It was nearby, and they well might have left a stone that was, and they made maybe they were discovered by the neighbors, and they couldn't they couldn't yeah they couldn't engrave. Well, on again, the tomb. it's one of these things where and it, these things take time, and we you know for our listeners out there, hopefully they they have gathered that idea that things are generally not instantaneous, uh, and so it, the same was to be said with public cemeteries. The concept was new, especially here in America. America of having a registered place that was organized and just meant for burial. People had lo- local cemeteries on their own property. That's why you'll find small little cemeteries in the woods, what have you, throughout New England. Um, yeah, it just wasn't really, and you'd have it at your local church or something like that, a common burial ground. And, and the green served as that common burial ground until the point where you had unsanitary conditions and many thousands of bodies packed on top of thousands of bodies. And this so this was a move to right. a, to a more civilized way of taking care of this, and right. it was really at the forefront of the cemetery movement in, in, in America. That's right. And I think one of the reasons why it happened when it happened in New Haven is because the the problem was exacerbated in the late uh, 1790s with with all the outbreaks of yellow fever yes. and malaria. So suddenly, uh, a cemetery that might have received five or ten bodies in a year had to deal with a uh, hundred right and right. people would go uh, uh, and you know they couldn't find room to do this yes and uh, as in the case with the uh, with the you know what happened on the green um, with the with the toppling of the uh, Lincoln tree yes um, where the bones came up from underneath right that. there yes. would be a storm and uh, uh, roots would come up and all kinds of coffins would come in their wake. So anyway, I think this well, this is related to all that, this, um, this, uh, this spooky, nameless tomb. Spooky nameless tomb in, uh, in Grove Street Cemetery. And the question is, is the nameless tomb still there? And that's the question for our listeners out there. And perhaps we'll follow up on that as well and take a stroll through Grove Street, which is always really rather pleasant. Grove Street it's is one a, of the... It's a one wonderful, the, wonderful walk. Actually, the cemeteries all throughout New Haven are really very pleasant. Um, and and not not morbid. I wouldn't say that in any way, shape, or form. No, Grove Grove is Grove is great. Grove is great, and and every Saturday morning, if I'm not mistaken, at eleven o'clock, to, during most of the year, there's a there's a uh, formal tour given, and it's free. Mm-hmm. So I'd encourage anybody who has an interest in New Haven history. It's really all there. Every street name in um, New Haven um, exists on a tomb. Yes. All right, Jason. Thank you for. Um, Uh, time traveling with me to the year 1834 and um, see you tomorrow on this day in New Haven history. All right. Thank you.